lot of folks in farming keeping a close eye on Olympia. Anytime Olympia is in session, I, you know, I've said this many, many times over the years on the air. Everybody needs to be watching closely and be worried. But per- particularly for farming, the last few sessions in Olympia, the last few years, they've come up with some pretty out there stuff that's pretty damaging, either because it's insulting or because it full on makes it really tough for farmers in this state to do business and be sustainable. Welcome back to The Farming Show. Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI News Talk 790. This is The Farming Show. You know, we talked a little bit about it last week with Jay Gordon and Scott Dilley from the Washington State Dairy Federation. They gave us a lowdown on some bills they are following. Are lawmakers in Olympia going to do more to damage farming in Washington State? We want to, and and I'm speaking for myself, as well as the organization I work for, Save Family Farming, um, in, in saying that we want to make Washington a safe place for farming so farming can continue. We believe it is um, one of the best things we can be doing with our land and our resources here in the state of Washington. Joining us right now from the Washington Policy Center Pam Lewis, and welcome to the program, Pam. And you have also been following a lot of stuff in Olympia. What's what's top of mind as far as things that they're working down, uh, working on down there in Olympia that that you're worried about, or or that may need some um, intervention here, if if we want to call it that. You know, Dylan, I think um, I think you're right to be worried, uh, but it's not as adversarial, I don't think, as maybe last session. Uh, I think there's. Uh, top of the list maybe are bills relating to water. I know up in your neck of the woods, that's uh, always a topic for consideration and concern. Yep. And uh, I think that this legislative session in particular, uh, <clears throat> there were six bills um, right off the top that, that dealt with water specifically, um, particularly changing how how um, special districts govern water and particularly how uh, um, their elections were run and revising um, some other topics that, that go into special districts and, and water in general. And um, most of those bills are still, still breathing, we'll say, uh, but whether or not they move forward, um, I, it's anybody's guess, I think. Uh, but it's definitely worth keeping um, ears to the ground uh, about those bills to see if how we uh, divvy up water, both in the thirsty side of the state where I live here in eastern Washington or um, there in, in western Washington, um, is is changed uh, by the time the session is over. Why is it less adversarial this time? What, what do you think has changed? You know, I don't know if if it's a difference in approach or if there's just too many other controversial topics uh, that are sort of keeping ag maybe out of the hot seat a little bit more this session. I suspect what's happening is there's perhaps a testing of the waters with a few things to see if some of those bills... Uh, raise the hackles for those of us in ag 
and see what sort of response they get. And if the response seems to be lukewarm, uh, then maybe we'll see them um, pushed through with a little bit more force when um, the long session comes around next next uh, legislative session. Uh, and it could just be that there's, with short session, you have to be a little bit more choosy about what you want to push through and what you don't. How often is that a strategy? I've also heard of that being used to, quote unquote, smoke out opposition where, you know, you, you throw a test bill out there, or a, a bill as kind of a test balloon and then see who opposes it. And then that gives you a year to kind of take out that opposition before you actually run the bill and hope to pass it the next year. Is that something that actually goes on? I, I couldn't tell you for certain, but I suspect that there's a lot of that that goes on. Uh, I'm fairly new to how the legislative session runs. This is, uh, I've been in the Washington Policy Center seat for just over a year now. And um, with a long session being my first um, year in Olympia, uh, it, it was a, you know, a different animal. I had, you, know, you have four months to kind of uh, see how things shape up. And with a two month session, um, I get the feeling that this short session is sort of when people do sort of smoke out the opposition for things. And they run a lot of sort of, test campaigns to see what sort of um what sort of response they're going to get to to maybe some um more controversial topics and then um and then uh see what they can do to refine them before the long session comes in and they can really kind of duke it out over the things that that they really want to get a hold of pam lewison is with us right now on the farming show with the washington Policy Center with their Center on Agriculture. Pam, um, one thing that f people in the farming community have been following closely is is the carbon bills, the low carbon fuel standard, and the the cap and trade greenhouse gas proposal. What's the latest on those specific measures? You know, Todd follows them a lot close, a lot more closely than I do, um, because You're of the Todd, Todd Myers, the Todd Myers, yeah, yes, because of Center. the because of the environmental um, uh, component of them. Uh, however, I, I, the push for um, the push, particularly what I find interesting is the push for electric vehicles and, and battery operated everything. And um, looking at that piece of the pie, um, I find that interesting coming from having spent some time um, selling parts at a tractor dealership and, uh, knowing uh, maybe with a little bit more f familiarity than some that uh, there's not there's not an electric tractor available um, on the market and there's not even one um, in the research and development stage that can pull any sort of piece of equipment that would be useful on a commercial level and when you look at that push to change everything over to something that's all electric or um, that's somehow meant to be carbon neutral. You get into some territory for agriculture that gets um, into sort of a fantasy territory where we as farmers are not able to participate in any real way on a functional level. And that um, 
that's something even, you know, even 10 years down the road, um, you know, it would, I, I hope that technology catches up, but forcing farmers to force tech to catch up in that way puts us in a really frightening position where we may um, be faced with some sort of forced shutdown rather than um, having the opportunity to opt in to something that's, um, you know, something that is maybe beneficial for those who can afford it. Well, yeah, it, it puts a huge question mark over the financial, long-term financial sustainability of a lot of operations when they're facing some of the changes that could come with those specific issues. But but those mm-hmm. bills cherry-pick things that, that when you step back and look at the picture, the bigger picture with farming, misses mm-hmm. the mark because, you know, a lot of experts in climate change and, and that science say farming is one of the biggest areas of potential for great things to happen, not by Mm -hmm. creating restrictions, but by creating opportunities um, primarily to sequester carbon and the various Mm -hmm. ways that that can happen. So to do this, I think doesn't see the forest for the trees. I don't, I don't know how you see that. Well, and I do, I think that often, um, Agriculture and, and um, whether, you know, whether you're a, a, a rancher, a farmer, whatever side of the or part of the agriculture spectrum, spectrum you are participating in, I think what the casual observer misses is that, you know, if they see a, a tractor chugging through a field or, or they buy into the idea of, of livestock and greenhouse gases, what have you, what they're forgetting is that often those sort of those outputs are offset by um, the things that we do in return, yeah. whether it's carbon sequestration or, um, you know, my favorite example is that grazing cattle also aerate soil. They also provide habitat for um, ground species. They also um they also encourage, uh, you know, in a non-sciencey way to explain it, they encourage good bugs. Yep. You know, yep. they have they have a lot of other things that they contribute. So um, we have to look at that holistic cycle. We can't look only at one part of it and say you're a bad actor, you're doing something wrong. We have to look at all of it in conjunction with each other. And unfortunately, I think ag in particular gets a more negative rap than most because we we don't do well enough as, as a business and as a community of sort of clapping back and saying, well, yes, we drive a tractor. However, we also, in in return for that tractor driving, do these other things to offset that tractor. Yeah. How, how many other businesses or industries out there are actively sequestering massive amounts of carbon? I, I, you know, right. The, the list is, is pretty short. And you, you talk about, oh, yeah, the carbon outputs. Well, especially if you're talking about animals. And we were just talking about this in the office here uh, yesterday. Um, if you talk about animals and the, the carbon or methane even that they emit, it's part of a natural cycle. 
um, mm-hmm. of input and output, totally different than the burning of fossil fuels, um, which is actually adding carbon that wasn't in that cycle before. So it's, it's different ball game there to, to cherry pick just that one issue and not see the bigger picture, make farming financially unsustainable. You take away a great tool for climate change, for protecting habitat, for protecting water quality, all those things. And what happens when those farm, I mean, this is the, this is the basis of, of the philosophy of, of my organization, which is, you know, if farming goes away, what's quick uh, to follow a uh, concrete mm-hmm. and, and urbanization uh, and, and how good is that? for the environment for climate change for our water for our wildlife etc etc um again talking with pam lewison with the washington policy center i'm dylan honkoop here on the farming show on kgmi um pam there is though you you, you've been telling me there is a new it's not a bill but a new resolution that's taking some of these things into consideration uh, this would be kind of along the lines of not everything's negative in Olympia this year. Explain this uh, House Resolution 4653. Yes. Yeah, so not everything is doom and gloom in Olympia. And uh, this this House Resolution made my day. Uh, it is a resolution uh, whose primary sponsor was Representative Tom Dent, um, who, funnily enough, lives just down the road from me. And uh, it is a resolution uh, honoring uh, the agricultural community for its contribution to the state of Washington. And it is a fantastic resolution that starts out with these broad strokes, recognizing the economic um, impact that we have to Washington state and uh, the sort of number of jobs that, that agriculture provides. And next down to talking really specifically about the sacrifices that farmers and ranchers make to provide healthful, safe, abundant food, not just for our state or for the country, but really for the whole world. Um, And having resolutions like this come out of Olympia at a time when agriculture truly seems to be misunderstood uh, and sometimes in a very... um, adversarial relationship with consumers is a great, um, you know, great highlight when, um, when sometimes it, it does feel like, uh, we spend a lot of time uh, trying to defend ourselves with the, with the people that, that we are trying to sort of feed and support. What, what kind of a difference can this make at the end of the day in Olympia, though? What, what, what do you think? How does it practically move the move the needle, so to speak? So, uh, you know, resolutions are interesting because they're not laws, but what they do um, is sort of set up a backgrounder. So you you have the ability with resolutions to point to them later on down the road. So if there's a if a, a piece of legislation comes out in direct conflict of this resolution, um, then lawmakers have something that they can point to and say, hey, you know, we as a, as a chamber of lawmakers and policymakers, we passed this resolution in recognition of all of these things that agriculturalists do for this state. And we agreed that they do all of these things that we set out in this resolution. And this piece of legislation is in direct conflict with that. So 
we need to maybe revise this piece of legislation or start over because we together as a house said that in this resolution, we agree, we acknowledge, we recognize that farmers and ranchers do all these things for the state. And we can't turn around and pass legislation that is in direct conflict with that resolution that we agreed to in a previous, in a previous, uh, a previous legislative session. So, you know, the hope is that what it does really is set up sort of a, a background document um, to argue in favor of positive legislation for farmers and ranchers moving forward. That's it just almost feels strange. Uh, <laughs> and, and, I mean, you were talking about farming being in an adversarial situation and being misunderstood. I take it a step farther, and quite often I think farming is under attack uh, by those with ulterior motives to, well, usually profit off of various other things um, and often making it appear as if their attacks are based on protecting the public good, uh, which is very rarely actually the case when you dig into their true motives. But we don't have time to get into all of that right now. It's been uh, great chatting here with Pam Lewis and uh, with the Washington Policy Center. Um, Pam, where can people find your stuff? Where can they follow you? Uh, so they can find my stuff on uh, WashingtonPolicy.org. That is our website. Uh, there is a, a page specific to me that's called the Initiative on Agriculture. They can also follow me on Twitter at uh, WPCAG. Uh, and I do have a Facebook page, uh, but it is, it is mine. So uh, WPCAG is probably your best place to find my stuff or on our webpage. Uh, thank you for having me today, Dylan. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And thank, thank you for all the good work that you do. I'm sure there's a lot of meetings that can get really boring and trips <laughs> over the past to that wonderful place called Olympia that aren't always the most fun, but we need people like you um, keeping an eye on what what's going on. So we really appreciate it. Thank you.